This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Lovers, it is Rebecca Davison here, intuition coach and founder of the Intuitive Life Academy. A welcome, welcome to the Find Your Bliss show here at Plains FM, where we broadcast live every Thursday morning. So, welcome, folks. This morning we are talking about a rather intense topic, but it is one that is really important and it is one that I have also lived through. So if, um, and I know often a lot of my own past life experiences are very familiar because we're all human, right? We're all, um, all having similar experiences in terms of learning and growth and often experiencing um, trauma. <laughs> so if you have ever had an addictive relationship or if you're in a situation where you're like, um, maybe there are some qualities of my relationship that are a little bit addictive, then uh, this is a good place to be today in terms of learning more about that. So let me just grab my list here that I made. I'm also trying to go live on Facebook at the same time, folks. I'm a little bit disorganized this morning, so do forgive me. So addictive relationships. What are the warning signs, I guess, of addictive relationships? So, and, and again, it's important to be able to go through this information, to be able to identify. You know, um, you can look at your own romantic relationships and go, is this something that is currently occurring for me? Uh, are there elements here of addiction in my relationship? Um, and, and, you know, what does it take to really heal that? And of course, as we've talked about before, um, addiction is transferable, right? So addiction can show up in relationships. It can show up in um, other circumstances. It can show up in, you know, it's it can show up, for example, you can be addicted to smoking and then you can be addicted to coffee and then it can transfer over into addicted to late night TV shopping. You know, like addiction transfers from, I guess, one um, avenue to another or it can do so it's a pattern of energy and where does addiction really come from <coughs> excuse me addiction is really a situation where it comes from not feeling like we're getting our needs met not knowing how to ask for what it is that we want and then um, going into a pattern of energy where we're kind of collapsing in on ourselves so we're kind of operating from lower frequency I would say a large percentage like over 80% of addictive patterns come from wanting to change our state so we're not feeling good and we don't necessarily know what it is to sit and be with our emotions or to be guided or supported through that so we choose a substance or a behavior or an action where we're choosing to change our state. Now, often that's connected to stimulants, right? Like drugs or depressants, alcohol, etc., um, or a behavior where we get a hit, right? We get a hit of dopamine. The dopamine, and again, dopamine is, you know, again, neurotransmitters in your brain when the dopamine goes off. And we get it these days from a lot of things, right? Drugs, alcohol, pleasurable activities, social media, 
Okay, so, you know, um, and dopamine again, you get the hit and then of course this leads into the addictive energy of behaviour and this can be connected to, of course, you know, you know, for myself, it would always be, there would always be drinks on Thursday and Friday night and even the thought of it would kind of you could see looking back that it would create a loop or a pattern of energy where you're like you know you're looking forward to it because you know you're going to have that experience you know that it's going to bring you pleasure so it actually reinforces a cycle of behavior and energy so when it comes to addictive relationships though let's have a look at some of the elements that may be present I think one of the first things to show when a relationship is addictive is that it is it often feels harder then it does feel easy. And this is a big pattern, folks, for a lot of people. A lot of people associate love with struggle or love with pain. Or, unfortunately, sometimes we have been in patterns or loops of energy where love is connected to abuse, right? There's abusive behavior going on within the dynamics of a relationship, but we think that that's what love is. And never more so have we seen this, obviously, in family relationships. You know, the family dynamics where, you know, people are being unkind to each other, but they don't necessarily have their conscious awareness of how to make a different choice. So they're actually being cruel. You know, there's maybe not enough boundaries or maybe there's too many boundaries. So, and again, you know, like being uh, in a family, it doesn't come with a guidebook, right? Like we have Plunkett perhaps and we have way more awareness than we used to, but we don't necessarily have all the information that we need. We need to go to a greater level of awareness, especially when it comes to raising children in order for them to grow up to be, um, a human that's in their power and in their authority and can speak their truth and knows what their boundaries are and can actually ask for what it is that they need and want. So with an addictive relationship, it will often feel difficult. It will feel like a challenge. It will feel like, you know, and I've often seen this with um, and clients with codependent relationships where there is one person and often two, because this is particular quite often to healers, right? Healers want to fix other people. They want to take away their pain. So often when this transfers over into relationships, it can go from an empath narcissist situation, right? Where the empath wants to heal the narcissist and kind of get sucked into the narcissist's world or the empath is in a situation where they want to fix, heal, solve, love that other person out of their pain and that's not actually the empath's job. They're often not even invited to do that but they um, assign themselves that role. This person's hurting. I need to help them. If I love them enough, then they will be okay. What do I need to do to fix it? which is a very, um, it's a good intention, but as we know, was it Jim Morrison or somebody else who said, right, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You know, you're a good intentions, and that's why I talk a lot about staying in your own lane and focusing on yourself. You do not have control how over how other people behave. Now, once upon a time, in my reality, I got this a little bit distorted where I thought that everybody showing up in my world was essentially, and how they were behaving, was my responsibility. 
you know, and that, and again, on a spiritual level, what you see is a reflection of you and your reality. However, you're not responsible for all of it. And I was making a big mistake thinking I'm seeing this distortion, so therefore I have to fix it. And again, it is not, you know, if you see distortion, that's fine, that's true. You don't have to rush into it and fix it. You don't have to extend yourself. You can just be the observer. And again, if you're in an addictive relationship right now, one of the first things that you can do, which is the best thing you can do, is acknowledge it and recognize it and observe it. Take a step back. Don't go into doing. Just stay in a place of like, I'm just going to look and see what's happening here because the energy will show you. This is why, folks, intuition is so important because the energy tells you everything. The energy doesn't have an agenda. It just is what it is. Whether the energy is contracted, which means that it's probably going to feel awful or expanded where it probably will feel good, right? The energy doesn't have an agenda, it just is. It doesn't lie. Whereas people with their words, they can have one meaning, but their energy can be completely different. You know, like, I love you, but I, I don't even love myself, right? That is not a great fun place to be. And, and in addictive relationships, from what I've seen too with clients, there's often a power struggle, right? There, um, The people in the relationship can often be and a lack of awareness around their own masculine and feminine energies. I've talked about this before. Like two, feminine energy is receptive, right? It is open. Masculine energy is more directive. You know, for women in business, we need to embody some of our masculine energy to be able to go out there and make things happen, to have the drive to overcome. But if you have two people and they're both in their masculine energy, it's going to feel like a competition, and it is a big turnoff for both parties if you're in that energy where you're kind of butting heads against each other. The other aspect, of course, is the feminine. If you're both in your feminine, there's probably not that much direction. And this is how sexual energy is polarized, i.e., you know, the arc of polarity between masculine and feminine. That's what the attraction is. If you've got two people in their masculine, it's not going to really feel like uh, attraction. It's going to feel like competition. If you've got two people in their feminine, it's going to feel directionless. The arc of polarity, and again, it doesn't matter if you're in a heterosexual relationship or a same-sex relationship, there needs to be an arc of polarity between masculine and feminine, which is why you'll often see in a same-sex relationship that one person is more in their feminine and one person is more in their masculine. That's how the attraction happens. So, And also, too, we want to be aware of that. So often what happens in an addictive relationship is people are often in a power struggle and they're often more, you know, they're trying to gain control often. So often that can probably feel like a bit of competition, right? It can feel like a battle. It can feel like that push-pull. And again, with an addictive relationship, as we will discover as we go further into um, the show today, that it often goes back to our childhood and the feelings of rejection, abandonment, and not being safe. We subconsciously do this. If you're not aware of this, folks, check this out right now. In your relationship with your partner, you are probably looking on some level subconsciously to get your needs met from your opposite sex parent, right? So if you're a woman, very common to want to get your needs met from you, what you wanted from your father through your partner, 
And we want to be really aware of this because this is all patterns of energy and we don't consciously think, oh, am I choosing this person because there's something about them that reminds me of my dad? But I would encourage you to kind of actually look at that, put that pair of glasses on in that perspective and go, you know, what is it about my partner that has similar qualities to my dad? I remember even going out with a friend one night and she said that. She said about the guy that I was interested in at the time. She's like, oh, wow, he's kind of like your dad, isn't he? And I was like, oh, really? And of course, at that point in time, I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's that's a compliment, I think. But again, to be aware of it, right? We're wanting to often heal wounding in our relationship. Not always, but again, you have to remember this is primal subconscious drivers. So being very aware of the actions and the choices you're taking. But let's look more, right? So uh, an addictive relationship is often going to feel more difficult than it does feel easy. There's going to be a lot of highs and lows. There's going to be, it's kind of almost like being a drug addict. You know, the highs are high and the lows are low. It's like uh, when the lows are low, it's like having a hangover. When the highs are high, it's like be having the best high ever. You feel euphoric, but it is not you know, it's an extreme relationship. The highs are high, the lows are low. It's not just kind of smooth and even and comfortable and peaceful and harmonious. There can often be a lot of drama. And therefore, a lot of the focus in the relationship is on solving the problem rather than concentrating on what makes you feel joyful, which is why an addictive relationship can suck, can be such a time and energy suck, right? You are um, often thinking about the other person. You know, your headspace is often consumed by them. You know, it can be even a little bit obsessive where you're thinking about them all the time. What are they doing? What are they up to? What are they doing now, right? And it's not necessarily in a good way. It can be very uh, unhealthy for your mind. And again, if you listening to this and you can relate you know just give yourself a hug right because it's not uncommon and it doesn't mean that you're wrong or bad it just means that there's a pattern of energy that's looking to be healed that's it okay so we don't want to ever beat ourselves up and go oh my goodness I'm wrong because I've had this experience or I'm currently having this experience we actually want to go you know, I'm, this is great because I'm aware and when I have an awareness, I have a choice and, you know, presumably, if you're interested, you want to choose to heal and healing addictive relationships because, again, the energy of addiction, you know, you shift out of the relationship and then you can get addicted to something else, right? Social media, television, food, sex, smoking, drinking, right? That's often a big telltale sign of an addictive relationship as you are engaging in things that you are not proud of. Drinking too much, smoking too much, again, because there's a lot of fear-based energy. So you're trying to take up these things to keep yourself feeling more secure. You're trying to change your state on a consistent basis. So these relationships can be very damaging for your health. You know, you're often in adrenal fatigue because you're spending so much time and energy worrying about the relationship. You don't know what's going to happen next. There's a constant feeling um, of being slightly threatened, on edge, unstable. What's going to happen next? 
So again, that can be a circumstance and again, hypervigilant, which you can imagine, pumps adrenaline through your adrenal glands. And if you're doing that on a consistent basis, it is going to zap your energy, zap your focus. Sometimes it even zaps your ability to be able to do your job, right? Can you tell? Spoken like somebody who's been there, right? So anxiety, depression, the push-pull, it is all there. Sometimes even in extreme cases, this didn't happen for me personally, but I know other people that this has happened for, they've even contemplated suicide. Because what what is happening is the your inner child is desperately trying to get their needs met. You're essentially trying to heal your relationship with your parents or what you felt like you got or you didn't get through this partner. You're wanting them to give you the love that perhaps you didn't feel like you got from your own parent. Now, don't get me wrong because, you know, like, um, I love my dad and, you know, as you know, my dad passed earlier this year. But again, you know, when you're a child, you can misinterpret behavior. You know, my dad worked really hard when we were young. He often wasn't there. As a child, you can interpret that as he doesn't want to spend time with me. That wasn't the case. So it's not often even situations where the person has been you know, outright or directly kind of unkind or mean or cruel, it can often just be circumstantial. So recognizing that there's not often, there doesn't have to be necessarily a big problem for you to misinterpret information or circumstances, especially as a child. You know, children don't have the capacity to be able to say as a three-year-old, you know, Daddy, when you go to work, I feel that, you know, maybe you don't want to spend time with me. We don't have the ability to be able to communicate like that as a three-year-old. But that's what we do need to be aware of as parents, that, hey, it's actually more important for me to spend time with my child so they feel safe, loved, and cared for. And again, I don't have any resentment towards my dad about that. You know, he did what he did because he felt that he needed needed to but again that was my understanding that was my take on it that was my awareness and on some deep level that's why we end up searching for familiar patterns of energy from other people you know and often what will happen is you'll end up attracting the person who is emotionally distant or not emotionally available because it's a similar pattern of energy when that person isn't there can you see how that works? Hopefully. Um, but again, you know, and maybe asking for yourself, you know, what is a pattern of energy that is really prevalent in your relationship right now? And how is that showing up for you? Maybe something that is causing you pain or discomfort, right? Asking yourself, where is it that I maybe am seeking something from my partner that I actually really wanted to receive from my parents, you know, asking yourself those questions, okay? Super, super important. Because again, you might have a little light bulb moment. You might have a little bit of like, oh my goodness, you know, I've never connected the dots on that before. And now that you have the awareness, you can actually go, okay, well, what am I going to choose to do about that? You know, maybe there is some forgiveness that needs to take place. Maybe I need to explain to my younger self that they're okay, right? And that you don't need to expect something from your romantic partner in front of you because of something that's actually connected to the past and your childhood and the way you grew up. Okay, and people overlook this stuff a lot. 
right? They just think, um, and people often too feel that when we start looking at our childhood, that they don't want to be disloyal or unkind to their parents. It's not about being disparaging about your parents, right? You know, they are a miracle. You're the miracle for choosing them as your parents. It is about being aware of the patterns of energy that are present. And some of these energies, of course, are ancestral. Your parents received them from their parents. So when you have the awareness and you're clearing the energy, you're actually doing it for your whole lineage. So being aware of that is the light worker choosing to be the person who's aware, choosing to be the person who wants to clear patterns of energy that do not serve you. You're actually doing it for your whole family because when you clear it in yourself, you won't pass it on to your own children. So, you know, it's brave work to be conscious and aware and transcend these limitations. Okay, so other ways that addictive relationships can show up. Let's have a look here. Um, Often you're off purpose when it comes, offline when it comes to your purpose. You know, in an addictive relationship, you're not really focused on what your purpose is. You're focused on fixing the other person, right? You're not focusing on yourself. You're not focusing on what brings you joy. It's all about the other person. And, you know, this is how we often learn, right? We often have to have a painful relationship to help us to go, you know what, I have to learn to love myself. My circumstance in particular, after this relationship, I went, that's it, all bets are off, right? I'm just like, I'm just going to concentrate on myself and heal myself and be the person who's taking responsibility for feeling good, (coughs) excuse me, no matter what. Right, to be the person who goes, I can be happy, I can be single, I can enjoy my life no matter what, right? which puts you in a very powerful position because therefore you don't need anything from anybody else. And also when somebody does come into your life, they're just adding to your life. Right? It's not a loss situation. So maybe even checking that. Do you feel like your partner brings out the best in you? Do you feel like they're adding to your life? They're creating more joy? Or do you feel like it pulls on your energy, your focus, your attention? You want to check the vibration of it. Okay. Um, yeah, we've talked about having a lower. Oh, the interesting one too, right? <laughs> Is in an addictive relationship, even though you might be spending so much time thinking about this person or obsessing about them, you actually feel often quite lonely, right? You're, um, you know, you can even be spending time with them, but you still feel separate. You know, this was one thing that was quite prevalent for me where you would be present with them. But it was almost like there was this big glass wall between you, which is really defense mechanisms. And it's such an intimacy blocker. So you're kind of constantly in that feeling of, I want to get closer to you, but I feel like there's something in between us that just stops us from doing that. It's like an invisible wall. And it was really, um, (coughs) excuse me, it was really... It was a really lonely experience, right? Like one person on one side and the other person on the other side and never the twain shall meet. It's an intimacy blocker, essentially. You know, like if you've got a closed heart space, both people can feel that. And it's difficult because what happens, of course, is um, it's difficult to open your heart when there's elements of control taking place. Nobody wants to feel controlled. And this is the thing about control, wanting to control other people. Why do we do that? Because we feel out of control. 
So if we start controlling other people or even ourselves and then we're doing the right, wrong, good, bad, pass, fail, which is I'm better because I'm in control, you know, this can reinforce the addictive behaviour because it's rigid, it's forced, it's hard, as opposed to trusting yourself, being open, being in flow. Okay, and again, that rigid energy, nobody wants to be around that. Nobody wants to be in a circumstance where they feel controlled. And again, you know, controlling behaviours, and this can lead into things like gaslighting, like really unhealthy behaviours. Nobody wants to feel controlled. And, you know, this is a big thing for me. Like I've actually, I haven't been in a relationship for quite a long time. And one of the elements, again, about that was because it's like, I don't want to be controlled because I've been in relationships before where it has felt quite controlling. And again, looking at it, you can see that that has come from the other person's fear and also your own. So, you know, they're trying to control you, you're trying to control them because you've got all this unspoken fear because you don't trust yourself because you're afraid that, you know, they're not going to meet your needs or that they're going to walk away at any moment and you're going to end up feeling rejected or abandoned so we have to heal those wounds so there is no fear of having somebody walk away and it doesn't matter if they walk away because we know that the only person who can really reject or abandon ourselves is us so then we become free and then it becomes easy to be in relationship because then you're in a circumstance where it's like hey you seem pretty nice let's hang out and spend some time together we don't need to control each other at all or you can be very aware of when controlling energy comes up and you have enough courage to speak to it and say okay that feels a little out of whack so let's have a conversation about that okay but again supersonic awareness in regards to what is going on in an addictive relationship Okay, so again, that sensation of perhaps feeling lonely is often a symptom of being in an addictive relationship. Um, Yeah, acting in ways that you do not feel good about. So often too, an addictive relationship, because there is the high-low, it's difficult, it's a challenge, your energy can be quite contracted about it, there can often be some substance abuse that's going on, whether that's drinking, smoking, alcohol, something that you, where you want to change your state. <clears throat> there can also be circumstances where you're starting to do things that you're not very proud of i.e. maybe you're drinking too much, i.e. maybe you're not telling your family what's really going on, i.e. maybe you're keeping information from your friends because you don't want them to know, right? Again, this can be a circumstance where you want to be aware if you start going into distortion, if you start telling little lies to yourself or other people about what you're doing or where you're spending your time or, you know, what's going on in your relationship. You want to be very aware of that. And again, to be in those circumstances where perhaps, you know, you're waiting for that person to contact you or you're waiting for anything and therefore you're blowing other people off or stopping yourself from doing things with your friends because you're hoping for the opportunity to, you know, get your dopamine hit basically from this person and of course folks you can imagine that this just gets intensified especially if it's a sexual relationship because then you're starting to work against your own biology you know your uh, your body gets all lit up right when you have a sexual encounter you have all those hormones going off like rockets in your body so of course you know again associating that with this person you know when you have a fight 
the makeup sex is amazing. So again, the high low, the the difficulty of the relationship, the kind of the euphoria, but then you know a couple of days later feeling terrible about it because you know nothing's actually changed, even though you might have had amazing sex. Okay, so starting to be really aware and just noticing for yourself, you know, are any of these elements at play in your own relationship? And what does it take to start going, okay, well, yeah, you know, it is often fraught. Um, There is some substance stuff going on. Yeah, I do notice that when we get together, it's often when we're drinking. You know, that's a big part of our relationship. You know, I've definitely seen that for couples where, you know, their relationship has been based around alcohol. Often when they start dating, right, they'll go out, they'll go out for dinner, they'll have a few drinks. People often have a few drinks so they feel less inhibited, they feel more calm, they feel less, um, you know, anxious. And again, then it becomes like a triangulation with the two people and alcohol as opposed to just being the two people. It's like, oh, let's go out and have a drink because that's something that we can do together and feel more relaxed around. And noticing that, you know, is alcohol or some kind of substance a triangle? Like there's three of you in the relationship and the drugs or the alcohol are number three. Looking at that kind of stuff. Okay, sometimes again, I've seen it where people have let their self-care slide, you know, like they get a little bit out of control in their world, Um, like they've met money stuff slip, like not paying their bills, not being aware, um, not focusing on it. Maybe it's self-care, maybe it's exercise, maybe it's looking after themselves, you know. um, And again, I guess this reinforces folks that you just never know what people are going through. Right, you always want to like people can present in a beautiful way, but they're not really taking care of themselves on the inside, they're not spending time with their emotions, they're not being present to what is important. So, you know, thinking about those things in terms of people in your life and world, you know, do you have somebody? And again, it's not always seen. You know, if somebody comes to work and they've got a black eye, for example, you probably have a pretty clear indication that there's something not great in their relationship home. For a lot of other people, it is unseen and it remains unseen unless you are open to using your awareness and your intuition and you're picking up on it and you're going, whoa, I can actually feel the energy of this person. They're upset. They're unhappy. Unless they're actually demonstrating that, sometimes it's hard to see. Sometimes people will just shut off and, go and pretend to themselves, this isn't happening or I'm ashamed or I'm embarrassed. I don't want other people to know that I'm in this relationship that's actually really hurt hurting me and I don't know how to get out of it, which is another telltale sign about an addictive relationship. You think that it's over or you think that you've walked away from it and you think that you've done, but you reel each other back in. I remember I found a letter actually that I'd written um, this person and um, from my past and we hadn't spoken to each other for six weeks and he just sent me a text out of the blue and because I hadn't, you know, like six weeks isn't enough time to resolve the thing for yourself, right? Because it's so deep rooted, boom, back into it. Again, the same dynamic, the same high, low, yes, no, you know, just hideousness really you know it is um it is like being a drug addict you can't stop yourself you keep going back 
you know, and you, you make yourself wrong about it too. You beat yourself up. You say, oh my goodness, you know, like, why am I doing this? I know this isn't good for me. But that person kind of becomes your world. And again, folks, this can be, I have seen this for so many clients too, where it's reinforced, where you have had past lives together because you can feel the energy in your body, right? You can feel that, um, the pull. There's often, you know, it's often a karmic relationship, you know, with, um, the person that I'm referring to, like after we split finally for good, I actually had a dream that he was in a past life, he was my child and he drowned in a canoeing accident. And I was like, oh my goodness, that makes so much sense because it was such a primal cellular, it was so hard to let go. And you think about it, when you think about mothers and how they can pick up a car off their baby, right? It was kind of that feeling. It was primal. It was instinctive. It was, and I was like, what is going on with me? It was, it frightened me that this energy was there. And then I felt it on such a deep level. So even having that dream, it just helped shift so much energy because it was like, oh, that makes so much sense. No wonder I feel the way that I do or I feel the way that I have about him because it was so strong and it was primal. It was really primal. So recognizing that, that, you know, when you have the awareness in regards to even past life experiences, you can shift the energy. That's why doing the Akashic Records can be so powerful in regards to what's showing up here and now. You know, great questions to ask in the Akashic Records is, do I have karma from a past life with this person? Right, karma being not necessarily even because um, karma can be just a pattern of energy sometimes too, right? Like if you're, you know, if you're an alcoholic in this day and age, it can literally be karma from a past life experience. It doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong. It's just kind of like a residual energy that has been created from a parallel experience, a different time and place. And I know, right, you might be sitting there going, what is she talking about? But again, this is about cellular memory. This is about being in circumstances where you're, um, you can feel it in your body. And this is often what happens in an addictive relationship. You're like, I know that person, right? Like I know them on a soul level. Like I, you know, like there is something about them where it's just, it's so strong, you know? And of course, if I'm coming up against somebody in this lifetime and they've been my child in a past lifetime, I'm going to recognize them, right? I'm going to be like, oh my goodness, there you are. I know you. Because again, it's not about their physicality. It's about the fact that they are... um, they're a soulmate. You know, I even recognized once when I went out and um, I met this woman and I was like, I know you from another past life. I could feel it in my body. And it was so funny too, because my I had no idea who she was. I didn't know her at all, but my soul recognized her. And my soul was so happy. And then of course, in my head and in my intuition, I was asking all these questions like, you know, were we married in a past life? Yes. Right, so of course, and it doesn't mean that you even have to pursue. I don't know what she's doing now, right? But it was just a moment in time where you felt the energy, and it was strong and it's powerful, and it's just like your soul recognizes that person. It doesn't mean that you even have to do anything about it. Now I have that awareness, but when I was younger, it was just it was almost like a compulsion. Of course, combined with a pattern of maybe some addictive behaviors and energies, for sure. Okay, so let's just have a look and see if there's anything else. Um, let me just have a wee look here. 
Oh yeah. So you want to leave, but you can't. You're probably hiding things from your friends and family. You're letting your self-care slide perhaps in some ways in terms of looking after yourself. Um, acting in ways that you don't feel good, good about. You know, maybe there's a bit of excess there in regards to your behaviours because you're not feeling safe or you're feeling like your needs aren't going to get met or you're pushing the other person's buttons in order to get a reaction so you know that they care about you definitely did a lot of that um other addictive behaviors right so again there can be other substances involved you can be feeling lonely even though you're in their presence you know there can often be some power struggles some control issues going on um your self-esteem takes a hammering you know the longer you're in the relationship the more painful and the more depressed that you can become so and again so let's talk a little bit like we've talked about the anxiety depression maybe even considering suicide um, never really feeling that great never really talking about your passions your joys you don't really celebrate each other because you're so fixated on solving the problem again the highs the highs the lows the lows the things are more difficult than they are easy those are pretty much and again, we talked a little bit about the dopamine and how, you know, the dopamine can be the hit where you see them, where you're like, it's going to be okay. You know, you can there can be a lot of um, fantasizing or turning it into a fantasy, right? Like, it's going to be okay and we'll find the solution and we'll get there in the end. And, you know, and again, not that we don't want to have that thought process, but the only people who can choose to heal is the person themselves, right? You can't convince somebody else to heal a lot of people don't even know that it's an uh, an option and a lot of people have a lot of resistance about feeling painful emotions but i tell you what folks if you're listening to this please please hear this right if you are unhappy what you need is somebody who can witness your emotions not make them different, not make them wrong, right? None of your emotions are wrong. I've talked about this a lot. But to be the person who can just witness it, the energy needs to shift through your body and your energy fields. If you are in resistance, it can't do that. When you feel it, you release it. Yes, it is painful. But yes, once you've done it, it is over, right? You Again, there might be another painful emotion that comes up, but I'm telling you right now, you have the strength and courage to feel it. You just need to find somebody who can hold space for you and make you safe as you feel it. Because unfortunately, we don't have these skill sets yet out there in the common arena. We need to learn how to hold space for each other. You know, find a good person, a coach, right? A counsellor, a psychotherapist, etc., who holds space. What does that mean? They are holding you in the energy of love. They are listening to you. They are not making your emotions wrong. They are not telling you what you feel is wrong, right? They are there for you, witnessing you. It's so powerful to be witnessed properly with love with consideration with thoughtfulness um find somebody who can help you do that because you can definitely heal from these situations it's not an easy journey because the thing about addiction of course one of the symptoms often is of addiction is denial right (laughs) and i'm not talking about egypt (laughs) right it is like denying that it's actually happening you know, this is a, that's why Alcoholics Anonymous too, they talk, one of the first things they talk about, right, is I am an alcoholic. Why did they say that? So they are transcending their denial. 
They are not in that place of going, this is not happening. They are going, yep, I'm, I'm showing up to the fact that this is really happening. So transcending yourself from the denial, transcending this, because also too, there can often be a lot of thinking of like, I will make this better. I will fix this. I will do this. But again, right, it is not, um, it is not something that you can do by yourself. It is not, right? There is a journey of healing that needs to take place. So find somebody who can support you. You have to acknowledge it in the first instance. And then you have to be the person who goes, okay, I've acknowledged that this is an issue. And then you have to get some help. And everybody needs to be supported on their journey. You know, I... um, I've had so much coaching over the years and I'm so grateful for that and I'm so grateful for my courage to be willing to be vulnerable in front of people and to have them push my buttons but to be able to hold space for me so I can let go of the pain, right, of being in, having been in a relationship like that or having been, just having that pattern of energy present. Okay, so... I'm going to say goodbye to Facebook now. Thanks for tuning in, folks. You can catch the podcast on iTunes by searching for Find Your Bliss under podcasts. And um, again, we always usually do the first 20 minutes, half an hour. Um, Those on Facebook as well, just so you guys know, this weekend I'm doing my last energy clearing for the year. If you go to rebeccadavison.life, www.rebeccadavison.life, on the first page, you can click the button there to register for it. We are going to be forgiving 2020, right? We're going to do a surrender and release process where you let go of the energy in your body we you felt disappointed, hurt overwhelmed and anxious about 2020, there's been a lot of things that have happened, we've actually had a lot of astrological shifts as well, so it's a really good time to go, okay I'm going to let go of the lower frequencies or let go of anywhere I'm annoyed frustrated, angry, upset with my 3D reality and shift ourselves into those five dimensional frequencies I'll see you later, folks. Thanks for tuning in on Facebook. Bye for now. Okay. (coughs) Excuse me. It's a good time to do that because my computer's almost going flat. So, folks, today we are talking about... um, We're talking about healing addictive relationships and what can you do. One of the first things that I would recommend that you do... Hold on, folks, here for a second just plugging plugging my laptop in here um, one of the things that I recommend that you do is get comfortable spending time alone right you know like I remember asking a coach of mine once I said to him um, how do you know that you've transcended codependency and he said you can be happy alone and this is you know this is frightening Right? If you have been in an addictive or a codependent relationship, to shift into being alone, right? It's like, well, you want me to do what? It's scary. Like learning how to be alone. Who would have thought that that could be the solution? Why? Because you get to know yourself, you get to be in the energy of insight, you get to go. I'm going to actually spend some time. I'm going to be present to the discomfort. I'm going to make space for my grief or my pain. I'm going to witness it. I'm going to love it. I'm going to be gentle with myself. or I'm going to learn how to be gentle with myself. I'm going to learn how to love myself. I'm going to learn how to put a structure in my days where I'm learning what it is to make myself a priority. 
where I'm learning to let go of anywhere I've given my power away to other people by thinking that what's going on for them is more important than what's going on for me. You know, so this can be such a big shift. And I think also too, you know, we want to really be kind to ourselves and let go of any shame. You know, you guys can probably tell, I don't have shame about this relationship. I've transcended that. I forgave him a long time ago. Um, It actually was really funny because I forgave him quicker than I forgave myself, which is often the case. I had, and again, forgiveness is that thing, folks, where you have to go back and circle back around and check. Have I really forgiven this person? Have I really forgiven myself? To get to that place where you can be free of any shame. Because there's nothing wrong with having had this experience. In fact, I see it as incredibly valuable as a part of my spiritual growth. Like I knew that as soon as I met this person, that he was a big part of my journey in terms of spiritual growth. And I am grateful to him for that. Absolutely. Like that relationship, honestly, was such a catalyst in terms of me doing this work, in terms of me helping other people, in terms of me stepping into my own self-esteem, which of course, folks, the side effects of that are more happiness, are increased abundance, greater sense of purpose, more fulfillment, I mean, why wouldn't you be grateful to that person for that, you know? And if he's ever listens to any of my content, I am sending you so much love, right? I don't don't have any malice towards him whatsoever. In fact, I am grateful for him. I am grateful for the, you know, I still think he is an amazing guy. Um, I don't, I just don't have any malice towards him. I'm grateful. Um, Yeah, I'm grateful for what I learned. I'm grateful for what I had to learn to transcend it, to let it go, to um, see it from the divine perspective. And from the divine perspective, this was definitely a soulmate relationship in terms of me helping me to step into being the person that I want to be. You know, you have to learn what it is to detach. You have to learn what it is to cut any cords between yourselves, especially low vibrational frequencies, right? And again, even like the sexual dynamic, that can be a really strong pull, folks. You know, it's such a strong... And that's why women especially, you know, you when you start sleeping with somebody, it shifts everything, right? They say that often before sex... The woman's in control and then after sex, the man is, right? Because, you know, as a woman, you're starting to, and a guy, right? You're working against your biology because immediately for women, they start to get attached. As soon as sex is on the table, right? There's attachment there. It's only natural physically to want to attach to that person because on a biological level, if you're looking at it, a woman really does need to attach to her partner if she's looking to procreate. And again, that is what your biology is instructing you on a very fundamental level. So once you start sleeping with somebody, you have to be aware, now in the mix is the chemistry of my biology and starting to be very aware of that. That that is a, a big thing, especially in terms of how you feel in your body. So really starting to think, you know, and again, what does it take to just love yourself right now and bless yourself right now if you have been in an addictive relationship or if you are in one currently, know that there is way out. It is a pattern of energy. And again, like I said, the roots of it will go back 
to your childhood. Um, maybe it's a learned behaviour. Maybe you learnt from the people around you as a child um, how to avoid the truth or how to avoid unpleasant feelings or that you had to behave in a certain way. And again, it doesn't make it wrong or bad. It doesn't make our parents bad. It doesn't make our family bad. It's not about that. It's about just being aware of the patterns of energy that were present. This is why doing intuitive work can be so beneficial because you learn what it is to observe without judgment. You know, you just look at the energy and you go, is that contracted or expanded? Some people would say, is that good or bad for want of better language, right? But contracted or expanded, when you're looking at it energetically, it just literally is. Is it more contracted energy, which doesn't feel good, or more expanded energy, which does feel good? Okay, and people contract and contort themselves into pretzels every single day. You know, if you're going to a job that you don't love, you will be doing that to your energy field because you're out of alignment. So therefore, the choice becomes, what can I do to bring more love to the work that I'm doing now? Right, because you always have a choice. It always comes back to your responses. Or what does it take to be the person who goes, what's it going to take to summon up enough courage to go and do that thing that I really love and to make profit out of it, which is something that I'm hugely passionate about, right? Like I work with a lot of people who want to move out of their job. They want to step into coaching. They want to do, um, you know, they want to be in service no matter what the medium is. Maybe it's wellness or fitness or love, relationships, whatever it is. You know, for me, it's intuition, I love helping people step into their dream life, you know, to step into the freedom, the pleasure, the abundance that comes from activating your soul purpose. And, you know, again, if you're not sure what that is right now, what do you get passionate about when you talk about it? What does it, what does it do? You know, when do, when do you notice that you're, or often too, if the conversation's just been going into a direction, where do you often notice that it goes to for you? That's kind of a clue, right? Like I would always end up talking about things metaphysical, intuitive, personal development, you know, overcoming obstacles. That was my thing. So noticing that for yourself. But again, addictive relationships are a gift. So let's look at it from the divine perspective. If you're in it, it can feel like hell. But from the divine perspective, you, it's a growth opportunity. And when something is really painful, it just means that there's greater potential for growth. So recognize that. Where in this relationship is there a great potential for growth? And you will see that, right? Because you know what did that relationship give me? Courage, strength resilience, self-love, commitment to self. You know, I used to often, it was so funny, I remember having this realization once looking around and going, wow, I think I'm meeting a lot of people who really have commitment issues. And it was so funny because I eventually realized that the person who had commitment issues was me. You know, I couldn't commit to a sandwich, right? Let alone another person, let alone myself. And I had to learn to do that, which is why, and that even shows up in my business. You know, I'm shifting from, I'm dropping certain elements, you know, like if people want to work with me, they'll have to work with me for a minimum of seven months next year, right? One-on-one, right, which is a much bigger commitment. You are in relationship with people. You're holding space for people for a longer period of time. And I remember even doing that at um, 
BNI. I used to go to networking at BNI, which was really great actually in terms of showing up to a group of people week after week in terms of being vulnerable, being seen, especially for somebody who was corporate and then went into, you know, what a lot of people consider really woo-woo. And then, you know, speaking to that group of people in terms of the vulnerability, in terms of the courage that it takes to talk to people who are resistant or don't believe about what you're talking about, you know, it was a great opportunity to develop and flex that muscle, to gain the confidence to be able to go, yeah, you know, what I do is powerful, really powerful and I'm going to have the courage and confidence to stand up and speak to you about it even though I'm afraid because you know I feel like you're going to judge me or feel like you're not going to believe what I'm saying so again you know self-belief folks is the way to go healing addictive relationships again if you're there right now I send you love and blessings it is painful you can find me at rebeccadavison.life if you're interested in you know gaining some support in terms of how to transcend it how do I know that I can help you because I've had one and I've um, healed myself from it so that is probably the most powerful testimony Um, it does take time because an addiction is something that you need to work with day to day, moment to moment and be very present to it and be very aware. But again, what the addiction is doing in a way is calling you back to your divine nature. It's asking you to create that relationship again with source energy, with the divine, with the universe within you. And that's why it's so powerful. You know, really... um, If you follow Dak Shepard, he has a podcast called The Armchair Expert and he talks about his sobriety. He's like 12 years sober now. And he says, you know, really people who are alcoholics, what they're really thirsty for is God. And that is so true. And, you know, that's a beautiful thing about addictive energy and what you're really wanting is to know your deeper self. That's your home. That's your heaven. That's the part of you that is looking to be to be called back, to be healed, to become whole. And we need to do the inner work to heal our relationship with not just ourselves, our psyche, our subconscious, our rational mind, but also our spirit. So then we will live in that place where we feel happy, safe and free. And we can create relationships that are really harmonious. And even, you know, to be able to have relationships where, you know, there's no animosity, there's just love frequency between the self, yourself and that person from the past. So, folks, again, um, this weekend we have Surrender and Release. It is the last energy clearing that I am doing for this year for the Intuitive Life Academy. Um, It's one of the lowest investments, too. If you're wanting to do some energy work and you're not 100% sure, this is the best way to do it in terms of investment. You can check it out and kind of have the experience and then go, is this something that I would like to continue to pursue? It's powerful. It's quick. We're working with energy, not the mind. So that's why it often has such profound impact and results. So again, surrender and release 2020. We definitely need to forgive 2020, right? There's been a lot of loss. We've lost jobs. We've lost time. We've lost patience. We've lost focus. We've lost clarity. So again, if 2020 has been hard for you, 
then do join us and allow yourself to be free. There's some massive astrological happenings coming up at the end of this year. Um, you know, astrological events that haven't happened for 200 and 800 years, starting on the 21st of December. So get yourself lined up and ready to receive all the goodness that is coming through in that um, by going to rebeccadavison.life and click on the button on the homepage and it will take you through to register for Surrender and Release this Sunday at 9 o'clock. I am sending you so much love. We'll tweet all. Um, look forward to connecting with you again next week, folks. Lots of love. Bye for now. Bye.